On October 12, 2016, Maxine McGill arrived home to find that she could not make entry into her flat that she shared with her friend and colleague, Alice Ruggles. The front door was double locked, as Alice had been living in fear for the past three months. Maxine tried calling her friend, but she wouldn't answer her phone, so she had to look for another way to get inside. Even though the girls lived on the ground floor, the windows were kind of high. So Maxine walked to the back of the house and managed to climb up a drain pipe and pull herself into her friend's bedroom window. Nothing looked too suspicious. She noticed the doors were off the wardrobe, but everything else in the house was in order until she made it to the bathroom. There was obviously a struggle as the contents of the bathroom were knocked to the floor. But the most horrifying scene was seeing her friend lying in a pool of her own blood. There was no question who did this. Alice was having trouble with an ex-boyfriend who could not come to terms with her breaking up with him. But no one really thought he would take things this far. Welcome to another episode of Crimson Sin with Tamsin Lee. I am your host, Tamsin Lee. Full show notes and sources can be found at tamsinleecrimsonsin.podbean.com. This episode is about stalking, awareness, and prevention. If you or someone you know is a victim of stalking, there are people and organizations to help. If you are in immediate danger from a stalker or really any person, always call 911 or your country's emergency service line you can call or text a victim assistance specialist from Victim Connect at 1-855-484-2846. Again, that is 1-855-484-2846. Or you can chat with a victim assistance specialist at www.victimconnect.org. These sources can also be found in today's show notes. Today's case takes place in England, and it happened somewhat recently in 2016. I found this case from watching the documentary My Lover, My Killer on Netflix, which is a British true crime documentary series which tells the real-life stories of people who were ultimately murdered for offending an obsessive lover. This case was the very first episode of the series. While the documentary was good and provided some enlightening details, I felt that the episode had a lot more potential than what was shown, but it was a great source for research because it provided eyewitness accounts from friends and families. It's still a great documentary to watch. Personally, for my research, I felt that there were things that were taken out that should have stayed in, but it's still a great watch if you enjoy watching true crime documentaries. The story of how Alice Ruggles was murdered rocked the country. Her story has helped raise more awareness about the dangers of stalking and bring more training to authorities to identify those dangers quicker. While her story ends tragically, her family and friends want to help others who are experiencing the same situation she was in. Alice Ruggles was born on December 24, 1991. She was the third of four children for her parents Clive Ruggles and Sue Hills. 
Growing up with her sister and brothers in the quiet Leicestershire village of Turlington, the small village is located 87 miles north of London. Alice came from a very close-knit family and always made her presence known, whether by making jokes, mischievous pranks, or with her chats in the family WhatsApp group. She was described as being outgoing and a natural entertainer as she would sing in school concerts and always led karaoke at friends' parties. Her mother stated that Alice was more of her advisor. Sue stated that her daughter would advise her on hairstyles, fashion, and makeup. She would even tell her what she should and shouldn't say. And of course, because her mother was a teacher, Alice would tell her what the students were thinking about her. Nick Ruggles is Alice's brother. He stated that Alice always loved making people laugh. She enjoyed entertaining others and that they got along very well while growing up. To her family, Alice was considered the family glue because she was the one that was basically the go-between if there was an argument or if there was something that needed to be figured out. She was the one who always helped, you know, mitigate arguments within the family and if someone was trying to keep a secret or failed to mention something and the family was wondering about it, she was the one that was like, I got it, I'm, I'll figure out what's going on. When she was 11, Alice discovered fencing at a PGL camp and the sport became an important part of her life. Her father recalls that she became so involved with it that by the time she was 15, she went on to represent her home country and the East Midlands region on many occasions. Alice also found success on the national fencing circuit. When she was 18, Alice began selecting potential universities to attend based on the strengths of their fencing clubs. Eventually, she chose Northumbria in Newcastle, where she would become club captain. One of her proudest achievements was winning the women's epi at the Leeds Open in 2012. While in Newcastle, Alice was said to have loved it there. So when she finished her degree, she decided to stay there. For about a year or so, she was employed in bars and such so that she could afford to pay her way until she was able to find employment at Sky. So Sky is a telecoms company that provides broadband, mobile and landline services, and TV to millions of customers in the UK. While working at Sky, Alice's responsibility was to speak with customers and ensure they felt valued, which to many was a perfect fit for her because she was always good when it came to this. So Alice was happy in this position because she found something that she was good at and where her skills as a people person was valuable. A friend of Alice's named Jen said that she met Alice while she was still in university. They got to know each other because Jen's boyfriend was friends with Alice. They became friends very quickly. Jen stated that they went on a trip together to Sri Lanka. When they got on the plane, a guy in the seat next to them immediately took an interest in Alice. The friend posted a picture on Facebook of Alice with the comment, being 10 minutes into a flight and the guy next to Alice asks for her phone number. This is when Harry left a comment stating, I don't blame him. This was the first time that they became aware of each other's existence. Tremaine Dillon, also known as Harry Dillon, was raised in a strict military upbringing. Harry was an only child who was extremely privileged. 
It is speculated that for most of his childhood, his mother and father doted on their only child a lot and that he was used to people doing what he wanted them to do. This speculation leads many to believe that he wanted everyone to worship him in, in the same manner that his parents did, which this is not confirmed. It's just speculated by authorities and experts. So while Alice and Jen were on their little vacation, the only place they could receive Wi-Fi was in the lobby. Jen stated that Alice would spend many hours communicating with Harry there. They had begun their relationship on October 11th, 2015. Within the first 10 days of knowing each other, Alice and Harry spoke a lot while she was still on vacation with her friend. To Jen, it appeared the couple started to develop a connection and they seemed to be really invested in each other at this early stage. Alice and Harry were talking a lot and to outsiders, it would appear that they were moving pretty fast because even by the end of the month, they were both telling people that they were in a relationship and they had not physically met each other yet. Jen recalled that she first noticed something was a bit off with her friend when the two went on a group trip to a cottage in Northumberland. She started receiving messages from Harry to tell Alex to text or call him. He even asked Jen if Alice would be able to use her phone to get in touch with him if signal was the issue. Jen further stated that Alice even started moving the furniture around in the room to find the best Wi-Fi signal so that she could remain in touch with Harry. It is safe to say that Harry seemed a bit controlling. Alice was on a little getaway with her friends and he was constantly trying to get her attention causing her to become distracted from her friends. And they still hadn't even met yet. So you would think that this would be a red flag. But I think to many, they were like, oh, it's a new relationship. It's like that puppy love face, you know? Still, it was kind of a... Her friends still noticed that there was this change and they didn't like it. So I don't think that her friends necessarily felt that this was a red flag, but it was made apparent that they felt very uncomfortable with these actions he was showing. In January 2016, Alice and Harry finally met when he was on a two-week leave. He was serving in a non-combat role as a Lance Corporal in Afghanistan, but came back to the UK during his leave. His barracks was roughly 120 miles north of Newcastle in Pennequick, south of Edinburgh. He came down and spent a week with her in Newcastle and the next week they both spent in Edinburgh together. Jen stated that Alice was very nervous when Harry came down to visit her in Newcastle for a week. Jen received many text messages from Alice while she was at work stating how excited she was, how great Harry was, all that stuff saying he was an amazing guy. She was very happy, so Jen was happy for her. The first time Alice's parents met Harry was during the Maybank holiday when they came down for the weekend. In the UK, certain countries celebrate what is called a Maybank holiday, which occurs on the first Monday of May, and is usually a day filled with festivities that marks the beginning of summer. Sue stated that Harry appeared to be very anxious to try and please them, while also trying to show them how much he cared for Alice. When they left, Sue remembers her husband telling her he definitely just felt like he was trying to say the right thing. By the time the couple left, her parents felt like they didn't really know anything about Harry. Because to them, it just felt like he was trying to put up a front for them the entire time. 
Alice's father, Clive, further stated upon first meeting Harry, there was nothing in his character that made him think that there was anything wrong with him or made him feel any dislike towards him. From their short interaction, he just felt that Harry was friendly enough. The couple returned to Alice's parents' house a few weeks later for the second Maybank holiday, which occurs on the last Monday in May, to which Clive recalled things were a little more strained at that time. While things between the couple were strained, they continued their relationship. Sue stated that Harry wasn't exactly the boyfriend she wanted for her daughter, but she felt that if he was what Alice truly wanted, then she could put up with him. Which I think a lot of parents probably go through this when it comes to the partner their children chooses. Which I haven't experienced this just yet. Um, my daughter's only seven, so hopefully I still have a little time. <laughs> but I think I would at least, you know, of course I want her to be happy, but also I would want to be able to somewhat get along with her spouse. So I think this is something that all parents really go through. Alice's friend Jen recounts that Alice and Harry's relationship was on and off. There were days where they were happy and giggly, not a care in the world, where he was the nicest person. And then there were days where he was very demanding of her time, but in a way that if she could not or did not facilitate that in any way for whatever reason, he would almost sort of like penalize her. He would make mean comments towards her. Sue stated that there were a few indications early on of Harry's dangerous nature during Alice's online relationship with him when he would make some negative comments about her. For example, he commented on the fact that she had quite hairy arms and that while he didn't mind this about her, other men might. He even remarked about the fact that she had a big nose, which, personal opinion, he has no room to talk about anyone having a big nose. And I know that's an ugly thing to say, but, I mean, he, he attacked her first. <laughs> you don't make fun of someone's physical appearance. They cannot help the way they were born, you know? So after these comments, everyone noticed that it became a real point of insecurity for Alice from that point on. Which, why wouldn't she all of a sudden feel insecure? Her boyfriend is picking out things about her physical appearance that he deems unattractive. It appears that he is kind of planting this seed of doubt in her mind to make her question if any other man but him would find her attractive. Jen recalled her friend talking to Harry over Skype when they had a fight. She stated that Harry made it a point to pull a really long blonde strand of hair from his uniform and inspect it in front of the camera lens to make sure that Alice could see exactly what it was. So he put it right up in the camera lens so there was no doubt in her mind she knew exactly what it was. Alice asked him what it was, and obviously she probably accused him of cheating, or at the very least, she probably questioned, you know, where and how a long blonde strand of hair could get on his uniform. Because Alice didn't have blonde hair, and Harry did not have blonde hair. I mean, his hair was short also, so that would rule him out anyway. But instead of either just coming up with this lame excuse or, you know, or just admitting to cheating or just anything. According to Jen, he just completely gaslit her and told her that she was crazy. He would tell her, you're crazy. This is your issue. This is your insecurity. You need to work on this. Even though he was found out and made it apparent to her, he still made her question herself. 
When you gaslight someone, this causes that person to doubt their own sanity and begin questioning themselves and reality. So with this, we can only assume Alice was wondering if all of this was because of her. Then there was that doubt about whether or not what Harry was saying was actually true. Is this really an issue she needed to work on? Was she really insecure? The person starts questioning everything, like, and then feeling guilty for even questioning their partner. Alice's father, Clive, said that Alice started to lose weight, and she was losing confidence in herself. It was evident the change in his daughter, because she was naturally a people person. She was outgoing. She was an entertainer. She was just not some shy girl that stayed indoors and didn't go out with her friends and stuff. But now she was gradually becoming more isolated. The things that he had said to her in the early stages of their relationship sounded more like compliments. At first, Harry would ask where she was going, what she was wearing, etc. And then gradually this became more controlling. One minute it would be really intense and he'd get very upset if she wasn't there to respond when he wanted her to. He would start contacting Alice's friends and other people which would put pressure on her. In the end, it got to the point where he needed to know or would demand to know what Alice was wearing, when she was going out, and where she was going. Sometimes he would even just turn up. And this was a two-hour drive away, when she'd just simply gone out with some friends. He would just turn up unannounced and uninvited. Word started getting out that Harry was back on Tinder and looking for relationships with other girls to which she actually found out about because one of the girls messaged her. Alice didn't even know the person who contacted her. Another woman even told Alice, do you realize your boyfriend is cheating on you? The person even sent her screenshots of all the messages. While this could have been someone just trying to start a lover's quarrel, there was no doubt in Alice's mind that this really was Harry talking to some other girl. When she confronted him about it, Harry denied ever setting it up. He told her that it was people in his squad trying to get back at him, but he would never say what exactly they were trying to get back at him for. Jen stated that Harry would manipulate and guilt trip her by telling her that this is your insecurity, that you don't believe me. And he would just keep saying that, you know, I'm a good man, I would never do something like that. Alice's mother, Sue, stated that this is when her daughter thought, no, this is the line that I'm not prepared to cross. And that was it. She did not want to go out with Harry anymore. After finding out about his Tinder account and him being in contact with other women, Alice was just finished with the relationship. She broke up with Harry in August 2016. She was happy to remain friends with him, but didn't want to be romantically involved with him anymore. But to even remain friends became difficult for her because of his actions as she would soon ask him to never contact her again. But Harry wasn't going to let go. He didn't want the relationship to end. Instead of dealing with this breakup in a healthy manner, he decided to start stalking Alice. He started bombarding her with hundreds of messages throughout the day. Harry tried to contact her on every platform. He would even leave her voicemails where he was crying, saying, Alice, please, 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 I can't do it. He would leave messages through texts and through all of the other messaging apps that Alice used. One day, he even took over her Facebook account. 
Alice knew that he had the password to her Facebook account. And Alice's father speculated that he may have installed spyware on her phone. He stated it was never proved, but they were convinced of it because as things went on, Harry just knew things that he couldn't have known unless he was spying on WhatsApp conversations. Alice's brother Nick had to help her get her phone wiped, set to the factory reset, and cleared to solve the problem. Nick remembers Alice stating it had to have been Harry who had done this, but while Nick probably thought that it was odd for her to accuse Harry of this, he didn't really think the situation with Harry was dangerous. At this point, Harry is, you know, closing down on her world. He's figuring out what she's doing, where she's going, keeping tabs on her social life, and just making her live in fear. She has to make changes and regulate her behavior. So she was afraid to, you know, go out and do anything. So really, it came to the point to where he was oppressing her because she wasn't in a relationship with with him anymore so he couldn't control her in that way now he's trying to get her back yeah but he really he's just scaring and terrifying her which he would have been scaring me too because he was stalking her and making her live in fear this is like a 24 7 cycle of psychological abuse but what alice didn't know was that harry had done this before Apparently, Harry has had a history of not being able to accept the end of relationships. He was subject to an order prohibiting him from contacting another woman in Kent, which is speculated as to why his barracks was in Edinburgh, instead of closer to where Alice was. Because there is a barracks that is closer to where Alice was living. But that would be near Kent. And since he had basically a restraining order out on him, he couldn't go there. So he would have to be moved to a different barracks in England. Alice didn't know that Harry had a history of stalking, control, abuse, and behaving very badly to rejection. Before he met Alice, Harry had seen an ex-girlfriend in town with her new boyfriend. He went up to her and spat in her face. This is when a restraining order was taken out against him. Eventually, Alice moved on from Harry. Jen remembered hearing through friends that Alice started talking to someone who lived in Germany, to which she contacted Alice to hear more about this person. She had met this new guy who was a friend of her sister's who was a decent person, probably even more stable than Harry, right? On September 22nd, 2016, Harry tracks down the man that Alice started talking to and contacted him through Facebook. I wasn't able to find anything about what Harry may have said to the man, but we can only imagine and speculate that, you know, he was basically trying to get a feel for him and probably put an end to his attempts at dating Alice. At the end of September, Alice's father stated that this is when everything came to a head. Alice was living in a flat in Gateshead, which was across the river from Newcastle. She was living there with a colleague from work, and she was also, you know, Alice's friend, named Maxine. 
Alice was becoming very worried and frightened about Harry. She started having colleagues from work drive her home every night. Alice had even put double locks on her front door, and she would have her co-workers drop her off right at the front door. Maxine would try to stay home with Alice as much as possible, but I mean, you know, Maxine was a young adult also. She had a boyfriend. She had, you know, other things she wanted to do. So she tried to stay home with Alice as much as possible, but, you know, she also wanted to go live her life also, right? On this particular night, on September 30th, 2016, Maxine was in Durham with her boyfriend, leaving Alice alone in the house. A little while after Alice had arrived home from work, there was a knock at the front door. So she looked out the peephole to see who was there, but there was no one. This happened at least three more times throughout the evening. Alice's bedroom was near the back of the flat, and her and her friend lived on the ground floor. So the windows and such would have been easy to access, but theirs wasn't really easily accessible because their windows were higher. So, when it starts to get dark outside, Alice decides that she wants to go to bed. Just as she's starting to fall asleep, she hears a knock on her bedroom window, which is right behind her bed. Alice opened the curtains to find Harry standing there. He had put some flowers and some chocolates on the windowsill. He stood there for a little bit, and then he slowly starts to back away. So he drove two and a half hours from Edinburgh, climbed over the back fence with some flowers and some chocolate, and left them on her windowsill. Then he just stood there looking at her for a couple minutes before he kind of put his hands up a little and backed off. While Harry was driving out of Newcastle, he decides to leave Alice a voicemail stating, Hey Alice, after we spoke, you didn't want to speak. Well, you didn't want to call me again. So that's why I decided to come down to give you some flowers and chocolate. Now I'm on my way back. If you want to take it, you can take it. If you want to bend it, you can bend it. It's completely up to you. I just wanted to do something just to say I'm sorry and show that I really am sorry. Of course, this completely freaked Alice out that he climbed over the back fence and tapped on her window, especially after she had specifically told him to never contact her again. She decided to tell her friends about what had happened. So Jen and a couple of their friends started to urge Alice to go to the police, to talk to somebody about everything that was happening, just find some advice as to what to do. Alice's sister was even pushing her to do the same thing. Alice's sister even called their mom and told her, you know, mom, Alice is being stalked and it's pretty serious. So Alice decided to call the cops on October 2nd, 2016. She tells them that she needs advice, stating that she had broke up with her boyfriend about three months ago. And since the breakup, she knows for a fact that he has hacked into her Facebook account and her phone. She further stated that he had been sending her a lot of messages, even though she had asked him not to contact her. And she continued to tell them what he had done that night on September 30th, where he put the flowers and chocolates on her windowsill. Her father stated that listening to the phone call between the emergency service operator and Alice, 
it was almost heart-wrenching for him to listen to because she sounded almost apologetic for calling them. She was very polite. She wasn't screaming on the phone that, you know, she was frightened and needed help. She was just very polite and civil. So even though she didn't scream at them, you know, I'm frightened, you know, help me. She still told them that Harry's actions were concerning, that she was worried, and the incident had her shaken up. So the policeman on the line told her she had two options. The first option would be that she could go to a solicitor and take out an injunction to keep him away from her. Which, in retrospect, not many people would go this route because this requires you to go to the law for help. Not many people know a whole lot about lawyers and, you know, all of the laws pertaining to stalking and, you know, stuff like that. So not many people are going to go that route for help because while this would ultimately end the stalking for someone in Alice's position, it becomes a matter of, you know, how much does this cost and how much time is this going to take? Because you're going through the law, it is going to take a long time. So would it really even be worth the price and time? The next option was that she could take out a police information notice, also known as a PIN notice. When you do this, if the person ever comes near you again, the person will be arrested. With this PIN notice, she was told that if Harry ever came near her or contacted her again in any way, then he would be arrested. This deeply upset Harry. It made him very angry that she went to this length to try and get rid of him. With Alice calling the police, she had inadvertently put herself in a lot more danger. Which really, she did the right thing because she was scared and wanted him to leave her alone. I mean, if I were in that position or if anyone was in that position, I think that they would they would have done the same thing because obviously, you know, you're frightened. Who's there to serve and protect the police? But no one can predict how others will react. The pin notice is there to give you a peace of mind and show the person in question that you've had enough, you know. Usually you would expect the person to be like, okay, okay, I get it, and just back off. However, it only appeared to enrage Harry. So after Alice got the pin notice put out on Harry, the next day on October 3rd, Harry was told by his commanding officer to leave her alone. He agreed with his commanding officer that he wouldn't try contacting her or going to her again. But instead of abiding by this, he sent off a parcel to her that very same day. For a brief moment after filing the pin, Alice felt that she could finally relax a little because the police knew all about Harry Dillon and she had a new boyfriend. Even her colleagues at Sky were ecstatic because they had their old vibrant Alice back. Unfortunately, this would only last for a week. At the end of the week, on October 7th, 2016, Harry's parcel arrived in the mail. Jen told her friend that, you know, she needed to call the police because he had broken his pin notice which, you know, he's not allowed to contact her. Mailing her something is contacting her. But unfortunately, the police were not very helpful. The contents of the parcel included old photographs of the couple together and a handwritten letter. At the bottom of the letter, it stated that he would not contact her ever again. Alice called the police to report the breach of the pin. The message wasn't threatening, but still. He reached out when he wasn't supposed to, and she told the officers that 
he had stated many times before that he would stop contacting her because she told him to, but he still contacts her. Alice wanted to talk to the officer who originally helped her fill out the pin notice, but he was on leave, so she had to go through a different officer. And the officer asked, you know, if, if she wanted him to be arrested. But Alice declined because she didn't want to destroy Harry's career. He was in the army. He was currently receiving training for the Special Reconnaissance Regiment. So with that stuff in mind, she was like, no, it's just, you know, it's just male, whatever. Alice told her friend Jen and her sister that the police were not helping and she felt like they actually made her feel stupid for calling them in the first place. Alice even stated that she felt that the police would only respond after he stabbed her. According to Harry, Alice had done three bad things against him. She had ended the relationship. She started a new relationship, and she had called the police on him. In Harry's mind, she caused him a lot of grief, a lot of pain. So, in order to get rid of it, he felt the need to get rid of her. In the letter, Harry sent Alice. He also stated, I know you belong to another man now. This is another instance of a missed opportunity for authorities to help Alice because according to experts, this was Harry basically stating that Alice was an object. She was an object that could be obtained. Sue, Alice's mother, had stated that she remembered Alice even briefly considering restarting her relationship with Harry as a means to end the stalking. Alice brought the idea up to her mother, who told her, you know, no, don't do that. You need to stay away from him. On October 10th, 2016, Harry left Edinburgh to go to Newcastle. He took two photographs of her house at the bathroom window in the back. And on October 12th, 2016, he came down again sat and waited down the road from her flat as he messaged a girl on Tinder looking for a casual hookup. In the meantime, Alice was getting ready to leave work. Again, one of her colleagues drives her home. When she arrives home, she gets changed out of her work clothes and is messaging her boyfriend through WhatsApp. When at roughly 6 p.m., all communication with her stopped. Harry broke into the property through an open window. The events that unfolded in the house during the attack is mostly speculated by authorities. Obviously, there was a struggle. The door came off the wardrobe in Alice's bedroom. Alice tries to escape, but she can't get out the front door because she double-locked it so that Harry couldn't get in. So she is now trapped in the house with him because with how fast he was coming at her, she had no time to unlock both the locks, then open the door and run out. Alice runs for the bathroom, the only room in the house where she thought she might be safe because there was a lock on the door. It was apparent to authorities that she got to the bathroom before he did because there were footmarks on the door where he kicked the door open. Then he took a knife and slashed her across the neck at least six times, cutting through to her spine. She also suffered 24 other injuries since Dylan was much taller and weighed more than her. After doing this, Harry then flees the scene, leaving Alice's lifeless body behind. 20 minutes after the attack, Maxine arrived home. She wanted to grab some clothes because she planned on staying the night with her boyfriend. 
she found that the front door was locked and she couldn't get in. So the snick had been put down on the lock and the only way to unlock it would have been if you were inside. So she knew Alice would have would have had to have been home as someone had to have done it. So she tries calling her on the phone to find out where she is but couldn't get in touch with her. To get in the house, Maxine went to the back, climbed up the drain pipe, and through Alice's bedroom window. She notices the wardrobe doors were off, but it was silent in the house. And really, the only thing that was amiss was that the wardrobe doors were off. So she started to search the house for Alice. When she made it to the bathroom was when she found her friend. Maxine immediately calls the police. And I'm not kidding, the call was just so devastating to listen to. She immediately tells them that it looked like her friend had been attacked, which for the reasoning why Alice was living with her, it wouldn't be too difficult to figure out who did it. She continued to tell the operator that Alice's ex is an absolute psychopath and that she had put in a statement about him two weeks prior to this. By this point, Harry was on his way back to Edinburgh. He dumped the murder weapon and Alice's phone along the way. He had enough time to get to the barracks to clean himself up and put his clothes in the washing machine. Maxine kept telling the operator and the officers that Harry Dillon was the one who did this. He was the only one who could have done this. They found and caught him that night trying to climb out of the barracks. He was trying to climb out so he wouldn't have to sign out, to which it is speculated that it was an attempt to establish his alibi. Alice's parents received the horrible news at 2 a.m., which at this time, Harry was already brought back to Newcastle and was in custody. Harry refused to admit his guilt in the murder of Alice Ruggles. The case went rather quickly because of Dylan's quick arrest. Prosecutors had to gather a lot of information for the case from social media, phones, CCTV, and witness accounts, which they found a plethora of evidence against him. He was less than helpful during interviews and changed his story a number of times. As each one was disproved, Harry was described as arrogant with police, Alice's family, and during court. To many, it appeared that he truly believed that everyone would believe any word that came out of his mouth. But first, let's go over his accounts of that evening. First, he told police that he never left Edinburgh, that he had gone shopping. This was disproved by his cell phone pings leading to Newcastle, as well as CCTV footage of his vehicle and him in Newcastle. Then he told prosecutors that he did go to Newcastle to talk to Alice, but when he left, she was perfectly fine. Another claim that was disproved as they found her blood on his steering wheel and her DNA on his bangle. Lastly, he claimed that he was with Alice as she died, but the wounds were self-inflicted, and he went to trial with this story to try and prove his innocence. He claimed that Alice attacked him and died after accidentally plunging the carving knife into her neck when she fell. During the trial, Harry even taunted the Ruggles family. He looked across at Alice's father and said it was a shame that her father couldn't have been there with his dying daughter. It took the jury less than two hours to reach a verdict. Harry Dillon was found guilty for the murder of Alice Ruggles. It was noted that 
He did not convey any emotion during his sentencing. The judge decided that the minimum sentencing of 22 years before he could apply for release would be fitting enough for his crime. He is currently being held at HMP Durham. Alice's mother felt tremendous guilt for not being able to do more for her daughter. She often wondered what she could have done to change the outcome. She harbored so much guilt that she stated when she testified against Harry as a witness, she was mortified what everyone would think of her and why she didn't do more to protect her daughter. Which I think all of us can understand her feeling guilty, but her daughter did everything she was supposed to to keep herself safe. She was an adult living away from home. There wouldn't really have been a whole lot legally that the mother could have done besides talk to her daughter and support her and support her emotionally. The problem is that Harry was not stable and took advantage of the window being open that night. But also in this world, everyone knows that there are people out there who have the capability to murder, but you never really know who will act on it. You never know when they will act on it. And mostly, I feel that no one really knew just how dangerous Harry Dillon was because I don't think anyone really expected him to act on them. No one had prior knowledge. Alice, her friends, and her family didn't have that prior knowledge of Harry having a restraining order out on him already from a previous relationship. So they didn't know he was a stalker. They didn't know it could have, it would have escalated to murder. Also, her parents believed that due to Alice's politeness while talking to the police on the phone, it may have led authorities to believe that she was not in immediate danger. After mishandling the case and not taking the stalking seriously, authorities received a lot of backlash from the public. However, they are trying to learn from their mistakes and provide proper training to officers to establish threats. Clive Ruggles stated that he doesn't feel anger towards the authorities for failing his daughter because they admitted to their mistake and they promised to learn from it so that other families won't have to experience this. The Ruggles family set up the Alice Ruggles Trust, which brings awareness to stalking and to its victims. And it also helps those experiencing stalking to find the help they need to prevent tragic outcomes. Alice Ruggles will forever be remembered as a loving daughter and friend who spoke kind words and was able to drink more gin than anyone else in the house and still be okay while everyone else was passed out. This is how her family and friends remember her and how they want everyone to remember her. So what do you think of today's case? Do you think Harry Dillon received the punishment he deserved? Let me know your thoughts and requests in the comments. Thank you for listening, stay safe, and I will see you for the next episode. Bye!